Welcome to the Up The Cream Podcast 2022, episode 19. I'm Dan Tomlinson, I'm joined as always by Rich Harrison, a.k.a. Pommy Rich. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well, mate. And you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Um, especially after another good Hull win on Saturday afternoon, a season best performance against Wigan. Uh, bit of boring stuff to get through before that. Um, this is the last of uh, Up The Cream Podcast that me and you will, will do together, um, Pleased to say that uh, the whole Daily Mail have accepted me to be the new Hull FC reporter as of next week, which means that the Up The Cream fanzine will obviously come to an end. Um, 115 issues, you know, countless hours on the airways with me and you, but also back on SoundCloud when we did, we did it on there back in the day, didn't we? So, yeah, you know, we've, it's been a journey, hasn't it, over the past seven years watching Hull. It's been, you know, the highs and the lows, yeah. and it's been pretty incredible, but... You know, I've got a lot of lot of people to thank, first and foremost, and I'm talking to one right now, mate. You've been with me since the start, and I massively appreciate what you've done, for, you know, for the platform and also the podcast and on the Down Under blog that you've, you know, been doing for seven years now. So, yeah, thank you very much. That's right, mate. Um, I, mean, I, I, I love doing it, you know, and, um, and I'll miss doing it as well. It kind of... Um, I think I've, I've said to you a couple of times, when I sit down to write, a lot of the times, I've got no idea what I'm going to say. Um... And it just kind of flows out of me, um, which is it's really organic and it's really nice. And it's because it's a subject that I'm passionate about, a subject that I love and a club that I'm, I've been crazy about for, you know, 45 years. So um, thank you for the opportunity for, for writing for me. I've, I've really appreciated it. And, and doing the podcast as well, even though occasionally my mouth has got the better of me and got us into a little bit of trouble. Um, I've just, you know, it's been it, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about the club and, and with you and with you know with Paul Cook when, when Cookie came on and with John the other week as well it's it's um, always good to talk rugby league I don't talk about Hull very much in my day-to-day existence because over here no one understands what I'm talking about um, in more ways than one so um, it's it, I look forward to Monday nights and Tuesday nights when we do these mate because uh, it helps me get a lot off my chest <laughs> I don't know what I'll do without it is what I'm trying to say yeah, well, that, that comes, you know, to the next point, doesn't it? Obviously, up the cream will be confined to the history box. It's been, you know, been a hell of a ride. And obviously, you want to continue doing a podcast, uh, whether it gets branded, you know, and obviously under a different name, then there's loads of options, you know, just pick all FC channel, Fateful, going down the boulevard, you know, there's plenty to choose from to get a, get a random name out there. Or you might end up, you know, choosing something like up the cream, you know, from a, from a 50s thing. So, yeah, there's 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 always scope, isn't there? There's always you know mileage in there to throw something together, and yeah, that's sort of sort of a, a feeling now. If anyone wants to come on in the future and obviously do a podcast with Rich about Hull FC, they're more than welcome. Obviously, the fans. I think that it's very important that the fans have a voice, and that's what Up the Cream has been for seven years. It's not just been a mouthpiece yeah. for me. It's you know people have been able to come on and express their thoughts as well, whether it be on a podcast, whether it be in written form, or whether it be on the website as well. And I think that. Is important and it, it's pretty unique as well in rugby league. We're the only one out, you know. Hope the cream's been the only thing out there for the past seven years, and it, I think it's definitely the only rugby league fans in that's definitely got two hundred and fifteen issues. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. But also, I'm, yeah. you know, really looking forward to obviously my new job. Exactly, mate, and congratulations as well because it's well deserved, mate. You, the stuff that you've been writing week in week out for you know seven seasons, eight seasons, or whatever that up the cream's been running, and, and you know you don't just write, you don't just write opinion pieces. You don't just you know you write match reports. You write play reviews you write you know um, about rumors and and you write about history and you write about the future and you write about you know you've been writing all round 
stuff for a long time, mate. So it'll translate really, really well to the whole Daily Mail, mate. And congratulations, you. It's well deserved. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Um, what a win to round it off, and that was yeah. Hull FC's best performance of the season, beating Wigan 31-22. Just sat there and watching a game of rugby league as you know, just a person who absolutely loves this sport. That was as captivating as it gets. That was Super League at its absolute best, first and foremost. It had a bit of everything. Hull absolutely blew Wigan away early on. They played some absolutely outstanding rugby league, you know, free-flowing, crisp passing, direct, hard, strong running. And then in the second half, they had to roll the sleeves up and, and tough it out. And that's what Wigan do, innit? They always come at you. They never never give up, never throw the towel yeah, in. never go away. Yeah, exactly. They never go away. And it ended up being a war of attrition. And I appreciated both aspects, you know, a game of two ass, if you like... Uh, two different ways of playing the game and yeah I was just in awe watching that it was an absolutely sensational game you know first and foremost yeah I mean I've only seen the tries obviously because uh, the lovely people at Sky decided not to uh, to do our game uh, or Channel 4 decided to go across the other side of the river and watch Rovers lose which is great but um, from what I've seen <clears throat> yeah a very 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 handy uh, tries very good tries and um Obviously, I've only seen Wigan's tries, so I can't really talk much about our defence. But we, we we looked a little bit more organised, I think. I think that's probably that's probably a, a direct result of having our you know alleged first choice six and seven both playing together for only probably the third time all year. Um, you know, we looked we looked organised and we looked planned, and you know, you don't you don't take a Wigan side apart offensively like that without being blood good a Wigan are a hell of a side and uh, yeah we were well worth it well worth that, that win absolutely I've got nothing but respect for Wigan I know as I've done really and I know a lot of old fans don't like Wigan but just the organisation that Wigan have of, yeah. you know, I think ever since I've been around on this planet they've always been there you know they obviously started in the 90s as the team with the sugar daddy obviously rest in peace uh morris Lindsay. that goes a lot yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. they've always been there you know they had, obviously they had a couple of moments in the early 2000s you know, obviously they brought the salary cap to stay up that year didn't they and but they've always yeah. been there or thereabouts and they never you know they never go away they're always at you and they come at you and just the ethos is the tough you know the resilient and they nail that wrestle all the time and they're tough to break down and they're hard, you know, they produce hard players and they're all embedded in, into their systems, their ethoses, their processes and they just never go away. They're always hammer and tongue constantly, week in, week out. I've got so much admiration for them because that's exactly what Hull FC are trying to do now with Brett Hodgson, obviously what they're trying yeah. to install with yeah. the youth. That's what we're aspiring to, yeah. Definitely. Exactly. And yeah. just to get one over them like that must, it must, must have been so pleasing, you know, for the club as a whole, especially on what was a big week, a full and proud week, a good crowd. Yeah. You know, vibrant crowd. It was very atmospheric on Saturday afternoon, especially when Hull obviously started blowing Wigan away. Uh, just yeah, just a, a really good match day, and just a pleasure to be there. It was such a good performance from Hull, and as I say, both aspects of it, the free throwing would be, but also the ability to tough it out when needed. Shocker, uh, the same players coming to the fore again. Um, start there with Jake Connor, five try assists. How can you not? Leads the competition now, twenty two. Think he's five ahead of Tui Lola here at Huddersfield. Uh, He's sensational, isn't he? Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, mate. And he's, you know, he's he's the complete attacking player, isn't he? Um, when when he's on form and when he's got the right players around him to enable him to do that. And uh, you know, it's just it's the way he just chimes into the line, mate. It's the way that he just he injects himself when he needs to and, and doesn't when he doesn't have to. It's about you know keeping his powder dry until he absolutely needs to. And he's learning that, you know, because there's less. 
you know, I think at, at some stages of this year, there's been that, you know, like I think you said last week, throw it to Connor, throw it to Connor kind of um, attitude that we've had. But also, you know, I think he's been guilty a little bit of overplaying his hand sometimes. I think he tries to do it every time. But I think from what I've seen um, against Wigan, he was very much picking and, picking and choosing his times, which which that's growth and that's that's going forward. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when was the last time we, we could hand on heart say that we had a player that was the most creative player in the league? Exactly. And that's not just me and you editorialising. You know, he's got more try assists than anyone else in the league. Facts are facts, mate. Right now he's the most creative yeah. player in Super League. The numbers yeah. back up and by a comfortable yeah. margin, you know, to be five clear at this stage. He's played 12 games. You know, obviously he missed one through suspension, so he's played 12 games of Vols 13 yeah. in Super League this year. He's 22 assists. That's <laughs> you, have to, you know, you have to be a genius to do the maths, mate. There, that's nearly two a game. Yeah, and he, and he had a little bit of a niggle, didn't he, pre-season as well, didn't he? You know, you yeah. he hurt himself at the at the pre-season friendly at Leeds. Well, allegedly, we he broke his thumb at one point. Yeah. You know, there was a yeah, yeah. break in his hand, yeah. on it? So, yeah, to come back from that, there were, there were moments on Saturday as well. He went down holding his leg after the tackling, and, and everyone's got their hand in the you know in the mouth, thinking, "Oh no." Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's that's, that's how important he is because you know. Yeah. Don't know, the team performance on Saturday was, was outstanding, but if Jake Connor don't play, then LFC don't win. And how many times have we yeah. said that over the past 15 months? Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want that. I remember, I'm old enough to remember the, the game where Jason Smith hyperextended his elbow. And as soon as that happened, our season had gone. Um, and I think it was, I think in fact, it was David Maiden kind of got tackled onto him and he, he landed on his elbow and... and uh, and it kind of bent in the wrong direction. And as soon as that happened, you looked at it and went, well, there, there goes our season, because Jason Smith that year was just head and shoulders but anything else that we had. And it's a little bit like that with Connor now, you know, with, you know, every time he goes down in the tackle, you're holding your breath because you know how much we're intrinsically bound up in his fortunes. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit scary, but, you know, we, we've got to ride the roller coaster, mate. Well, while it's while the roller coaster's moving, and it's moving forward at a rate of knots, we've just got to hang on for dear life and, and ride it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interestingly, uh, an the cream reader put on one of the Facebook posts over the weekend that he's watched all SC for over forty years, and people say, you know, creative players like Steve Norton and Peter uh, <clears throat> Peter Sterling, and he's putting Jake Connor right up there as how how. Yeah. How he feels about watching him week in week out, and I think for a fan with that sort of you know longevity to say something like that tells me everything I need to know, and and that's what watching Jake Connor is. It's an absolute pleasure. You know, as a paying yeah, customer, Steve going Norton out to a was a genius. Steve Norton was an absolute bona fide genius, but you're not telling me that he ever had four or five try assists in a in a single game because he didn't. I watched a lot of Steve Norton playing live. He was never as influential on a match as Connor can be. Because Norton played a different position, you know. Back in the day, loose forward was you know about craft and guile, and it wasn't just an extra middle like it is now. But he never had, you know, he never had that sublime right to left pass or that that left to right pass even the, that Connor's got. You know, it's, it's you know we didn't win every game that that we played with with Sterling at seven either. You know, and Sterling was amazing. You know, probably three games out of four, but again. You know, you never look at it and go, "Wow, we scored six tries off him today." It just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 incredible to think. You know, how can you come up with five tries? The team scored six, and to actually, yeah. cr- you know, directly create five of those. 
that's probably doing a little bit of injustice to Liggy Sal on one of them because yeah, the, the footwork to get the ball yes, to where he got it to was nothing short of sensation. Obviously, Connor had the easy but job. That of, final pass yeah. was still, yeah, still, still on the money, yeah. isn't it? The, the one that got yeah. me was the, the third try, the pass to Adam Swift, where it was literally catching pass with the winger coming steaming at his face. Yes. And, and to do yeah. that and to be as composed as that and to obviously execute the play as well right on the money, it's just it's nothing short of incredible. And he does it time and time again. And like you'll see, whether it's the left edge, whether it's the right edge, it was the right edge, yeah. obviously, where he did that absolutely world-class freakish pass to Adam Swift at Edinley. So yeah. it shows he can he do it on be, both sides of the pitch. He must be a nightmare to defend against. You, you can't defend put that, though, can you? Position yeah, you, 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 know, just, you can't defend position that. Position Jeez, you can't. It's, it must it, be a nightmare for him. Absolutely. The skill set at his disposal, he's, not, he's freakish. He's, not, you know, he's sleight yeah. of hand. He's the best in Sulpurg. It's as simple as that. No one can pass the ball like Jake Connor can. Obviously, yeah. this is the Jake Connor debate now. Is Jake Connor perfect? No. Is any rugby league no. player perfect? No. Has Jake Connor got areas to improve? Of course he has. Every player has. And yeah. I, I, I always say this, but I look at the, the transition that Sam Tompkins had at Wigan when he moved from an off-half to a full-back. Was he yeah. the defensive full-back that he is now at Catalans in that first year playing full-back at Wigan? No, he wasn't. He's he's, no. he's learned his craft over the years and he's, got, and he's got better and better and better defensively and now he's become the all-round full-back. Jake Connor can do that. You know, Sam Tompkins has got three or four years on, on Jake Connor. Who's to say that in a couple of years Jake Connor will tidy up other, other areas of his game? Tell you what, under the high bomb, he's as good as any. You know, he deals with kicks well. All right, yeah, he didn't get to Bevan French. Didn't make the kick, you know... He did actually cop a little bit of a knock just before then, and he knows his own body better than anyone else. He probably thought, you know, what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bust my gut to get to to get to Bevan French when Harry Smith would probably kick the goal anyway. You know, he's a decent kicker and a good game, Harry Smith as well. It must be said. Yeah. I didn't necessarily have a problem with that. I saw loads of people jump onto it, you know, each to their own. But look at what Jake Connor brings to the table, and there's not a. Jeez, if that's all you've got, if that's all you've got to bloody complain about, God Almighty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 the thing is, you, you watch Hull FC right now, who, who are you looking out for? If you go to Hull FC as a Hull FC fan, as an opposition fan, as a neutral, as just a fan of rugby league, who's the player you're looking out for? It's Jake Connor. That's who you're paying your yeah. money to go and watch. That's who you're looking out for, because he's that good. And you know that when he gets his hands on the ball, a lot of times or not, something's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it'll get to the point where the threat of Connor will open up other areas of the field. You know where he, you know he he starts bobbing up on the on the right hand side, and all of their um, defence starts to move that way because they think he's going to get the ball, and then we switch it to the other side, you know, and catch him unawares because the threat of Connor is as good as Connor getting the ball in his hand, and he's getting to that point now with him, which is fantastic because it gives us options all over the park, and you know like you said you know because he doesn't play left side or right side which he would do if he was restricted at playing at six because he can bob up everywhere that's why he's getting the freedom and that's why he's getting five try assists in a game you know because he's got that freedom which he wouldn't have anywhere else on the pitch it's it's healthy and days to be to be a whole supporter watching one of the absolute best in the business and I'm, I'm honestly i don't think that's that's hyperbole i don't think that's me going over the top i think he's he's legitimately one of the most skillful players i've seen play in black and white i always go back to um column Adrian Durham wrote for up the cream and he listed his all time full yeah. FC thirteen and he hopes that it'll only be a matter of time before he has to include Jake Connor in that. Yeah. yeah. We're sort yeah. of getting to the point now watching him every single week. And bear in mind he's still got four or five years left as a minimum of his career. He could get to 
you know, some unprecedented heights, some absolutely unbelievable heights at Hull FC. You think of his highlight reel already and what he does on a field and the passes that he creates and, you know, the tries he puts on a plate for his outside backs. I have not seen that in my time watching Hull FC before. I play do it as consistently as that. Probably going back to Paul Cook with, you know, when they used to do the right-to-left pass yeah. to, you know, your, your Kate Humans and your Gareth Rainers. That's probably the last time I can remember a player having that much influence on a, on an attack as I can with Jake Connor. It's it's an absolute privilege, you know, to be there every week and watch it unfold and just watch him play and just and just and just, just sit back and relax and just sit in awe of how good he is and he's a special player, he really is. And Hull FC are very lucky to have him and I just think where they'd be without him. I mean, I don't want to play down the the importance of other players at Hull FC right now or how how well the team's actually going right now. But without Jake Connor, where would they be? It's yeah, it's a yeah. Concerning yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be sitting face, so we wouldn't have just beaten Wigan. No. Simple as. Well, yeah, Simple exactly. Fifth in the league, fifth in the league after thirteen rounds of him won eight and lost five. You know, touching distance of Huddersfield in fourth. You know, both yourself and me would have you know bit bit your hand off for that. It's it's a very good start, very good start to the season. You look at the direction Hull are going in right now. Obviously, they're prioritising youth. They want to be bringing their own players through their own systems into the first team. The signings have been good. You know, you look at Dino McIntosh, he's absolutely excellent. Joel Overdue, excellent. Look, Gail, I hope will, you know, continue to get better. I thought it was it went well on Saturday, but it's Luke Gale we're talking about. He's an international halfback. I still think that his standards will demand more and I still think there's plenty more to come. And that's not a criticism, that's just me saying, you know, this is Luke Gale. He's an international halfback. More you know, there's plenty more to come. He he's got way more gears to come to you know to give to this club yet. And that will make us even better. But yeah, right now you've got to be content with what we're seeing. It's we're definitely evolving under Brett Hodgson. You know, Hull FC they're a tough side. You know, they can grind teams down, but they can also play some rugby as well. Yeah, and that squad we put out at the weekend as well was was you know probably um, maybe maybe one or two players that are injured aside was was just about our our strongest seventeen we could possibly put out. I reckon probably only Savelio. And, and maybe Cater. Um but that was just about our strongest seven time. Yeah, probably throw a bad um, fashion there, so it'd be a massive. Yeah, you, yeah, you could throw a fashion in, yeah, absolutely. But you know, that that was that was heartening to say that we were absolutely red hot. It was great. Yeah. Really, really good, mate. And you know, the Carlos Tomb of Ave try I've I've watched that back <laughs> about fifteen times. I've still no idea how he got hold of that ball. Um just just fantastic the way he skipped around the outside there. We just, you know, Swift's two tries, Swift's hitting form again. There's a lot to like at the moment, mate. There's a lot to get excited about. You know, and we've, we've been saying since day one, you know, this is a transitional season. Well, yeah, it is a transitional season, but we're doing all right, despite all of that, despite the fact that, you know, it was, it's really been a case of, of kind of holding your breath and see what happens this year. I think we're being very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, when we say a year of transition, and when we've torn our hair out, and when we've been really critical of FC, we like to tell it how it is. We don't like to shy away from the truth. But also, it comes as a frustration of knowing that there's some parts there that are nothing short of outstanding. And that if they play to their potential, Hull FC are a very, very good team. We're seeing that now with Jake Connor. We're seeing it with the outside backs. We've seen it with the pack. You know, we said early in the year we need size. We've got that size now. We've obviously Kane Evans playing. We've Scott Taylor back. Obviously, Liggy Sal banging form. Hopefully, his knee injury isn't too much of a concern. I did see a posterior cruciate ligament uh, popping around. I hope it's not as serious as that. Um, 
But PCL's about four, six, yeah. four, six weeks. It's not as bad. It, it could yeah. be worse. Could be a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. It could yeah. be an ACL, couldn't it? And then we'd be all having yeah. nightmares. But you know, you look at Chris Satay as well. And then you look at the young guns, Jack Brown, Brad Fash, Jordan Lane. You know, Manuel Mao on the edge has been absolutely outstanding. So, you know, Hull FC have an yes. outstanding pack. We've never played down from that. They've got good outside backs. Brett Hodgson styled outside backs who are quick, who are elusive, who know how to score tries. He's definitely pulling Hull FC in the right direction, is Brett. And it's something we've always said about him. We've, ever since he came through the door, we've seen that vision, seen that direction. And it, we've got fans have got to back him and obviously give him time and, and, and persevere with him and, and it will come good and very confident always have been confident in saying that and we've all, always said there'll be setbacks you know we've always said at the start of the year Hull FC will lose games this year that they should have won and on the contrary they'll win games that they probably should have lost there's been a couple of times this year thinking how the hell did Hull pull that one out the bag yeah. um, there's been a couple of times obviously look at Cash look at the Derby thinking how the hell did we lose that you know that's what yeah. happens that's what we in it but then every team can probably say that St. Helens will be thinking, how do we go to Toulouse and get beat? Yes. You know, Wigan will probably say it as well. You know, how, how do we lose that one? How do we, you know, it happens. Yeah. Look at Warrington right now. They've won five <sighs> games out of 13. They're a basket case. Castleford, yeah. you know, just below 50%. As a Rovers, you know, you look, at, you look at the teams that were supposed to be, you know, the big shakes in Super League this year. There's only three of them that have actually stuck to what everyone predicted, and that's Wigan, St. Helens and Catalans. Exactly. No one expected yeah. Huddersfield to be fourth. No one expected Hull FC to be fifth. They're doing all exactly. right. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's, there's something to be said to, for flying under the radar and under-promising and over-delivering, isn't there? <laughs> you know, you'd rather do that than be fated as the entertainers and, uh, and get spotted on your own pitch. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very content where we are and I'm, I'm very happy with the job that... Uh, that um, Hodgson's doing. Is he perfect? No. Has he made mistakes? Yes. Is he still naive in his interchange? Absolutely. Does he still make some baffling team choices? God, yes. But all things being equal, he's got us to fifth. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's got us to fifth with a team that was very, very unfancied with what everybody in, in rugby league has said and our own fans have said, you know, probably a misfiring six and seven. And we've got to fifth with a misfiring six and seven. So, wow. Exactly. You, know? you can throw them. We put that right. Yeah. Bloody hell, sky's the limit. Well, exactly. And we look at the, obviously, the limitations at LFC. We always talk about the nine position as well, don't we? And yeah. Well, LFC can be better at nine. They can be better at six and seven. But you know what? I'll I'll take the custard pie this week. I put it in mm. online stuff at the weekend. Danny Elton on his 400, 400th, can't speak, uh, LFC appearance was absolutely... Outstanding, simple as that. It was, it was brilliant. His yeah. distribution was bob yeah. on. It scouted. He obviously got a roll on with his pack of forwards. He led them around the field superbly. You know, it was vintage Danny out, and then you take your hat off to him. You say, "Well done." And no one's ever disputed the fact that he's a club legend and that he served the club impeccably over the fifteen, you know, years. As a his effort, his endeavour, it's never in question. Yeah. Just people have been questioning that that little bit of extra flair and nous from dummy half, and they've been questioning why. 65 tackles every week has been, you know, championed as a good thing because it's not. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's just, not. Yeah. you look at, you know, your top nines and what they bring to the table, we just haven't had that. But that was, that was Danny Alton's best performance in a good three years. He was, like I say, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, and, and I can accept yeah. that. I can say that. I'm an utmost joy in saying that. As I say, I, I don't like criticising players, but I like to, I don't like to be blinking. I don't like to, you know, have a, have a, favoritism with a, with, a, with a player or anything like that I, the club it's the club that comes first always because it's the club I want to see do well and 
if Danny Alton's playing well for LFC, then that means I'm absolutely buzzing because that means it's good for LFC. Simple as that. Yeah, exactly. You know, for me, the future at Hooker in at Hull, I think he's probably going to be Denise Bamforth. Uh, I just think, you know, from what we've seen so far in the reserves and, and you know, his one game for us so far, I mean, I know it's, it's too early to actually roll out the red carpet and say this guy's the future, but... I think that's the way the club think. I think the club thinks that Deneen Bamforth is the future. And, you know, I think me and you have both have both gone on record as saying we, we believe that Houghton's got an extra year. Um, and if he has got an extra year, well, then that makes sense. It makes sense to bring Bamforth on bit by bit, put him on the bench, start him on the bench or whatever, and, uh, and, and allow him to be kind of mentored a little bit by Danny. Um, and also, you know, we've got Lovadour and we've still got Johnston on the books as well. So, you know, there's 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 options there. But while Danny Houghton's playing like he did, he's, he, what he's got to do is he's 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 got to make an irresistible case to keep him in the team. And while playing like they did against Wigan, then yeah, we will. If he plays like he did against Rovers, well, then no, we don't. Because arguably, at Rovers, it was our lack of direction out of dummy half that cost us that game because we didn't have any direction out of dummy half at all. Okay, um, the, we got completely rolled. Yeah, the at dummy half. Huddersfield Cup game and the Wigan game yes. just before that yeah. was when I was really tearing my hair out when passes are in the floor and look at yeah. what Danny Levi did. That and it's not afternoon. just Danny that does that; it was everyone. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's just easy to pick out when it's your nine and touch the ball more times than obviously any other player on the pitch, don't yeah. they? And, Obviously, rugby league attack it all starts from nine. If that ball's fizzing out, then it's it's the first step, you know. You, whether it's hitting your forwards on the advantage line, you know, whether it's getting getting the ball to the half back, where it's bang on the chest right in front of us. You know, it's, it's finding your first receiver. Exactly. That's, that's, your entire job is finding your first yeah. receiver or scooting. You know, if there's bodies on the floor, you scoot. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't think we've we've seen the best of that over the past few years. Obviously, if I still don't think. No, he's the answer for 2023. I would be looking, you know, elsewhere. That's just my personal opinion. But again, I'm happy to be proven wrong if yep. if that if that's what's going to happen and if Danny Allen's going to play as well as he did it against Wigan, then okay, fair enough. I'll take the custard pie. I took one in last night. I can take one again. No problem. Um, <laughs> the, the caveat for me, mate, is that yes, give him another year as long as he's managed correctly. Give him another year, but tell him he's not making 60 tackles a match. If he's going to have another year, though, it's got to be with a hooker on the bench, whether it be Joel over Jill, whether it be Dan Stanford. Then how can you get to a stage where you've got Danny Alton starting, Joel over Jill on the bench, then what does that say to Danny Stanford? But then he's he's only 18 years old. You want to be doing what we've done with Jack Brown, really. He's played five or six games for a couple of years, now he's obviously ever-present. Yeah, what what you don't want is is what happened with Lytton, where Lytton just got paid off waiting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to meet in the middle somewhere, aren't you? It's like what we've been seeing yeah. with Wolves attack. Uh, they've definitely found that middle ground now from the all hail Mary Harlem Globetrotter chucking about like a hot potato brand of rugby to something a little bit you know more in the middle rather than just one up dross. They've definitely found that middle ground. I suppose the challenge is again in the occurrences that they hand out to a young player and it's also not throwing him in the deep end but obviously keeping that young player engaged enough to realise that his yeah. future is at Hull FC and not anywhere else and yeah. you look at how they've managed Brad Fash you know, he's knocking on 120 well he is over 120 games for the club now you look at how they've integrated Jordan Lane I think he's in the 80s now for appearances you look how they've 
integrating like i say jack brown now has gone a couple of appearances then six and you know about five or six again you know around the half a dozen mark now he's ever present again fash so. is a good, you know what fash is a good case in point because you know fash has been on loan everywhere hasn't he i mean they, they threw him out on loan didn't he go to he went to toronto didn't he didn't he go to featherston or somewhere as well was it lee for a couple of games for a bit. like that yeah. you know he's he's good good on him because i mean that just that that goes to show any young player out there that just because your team puts you out on loan, it's not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. Also, you know, playing the reserve is not a bad yeah. thing. What what rugby league yeah. needs? It needs that reserve to get so good that it is like the old days. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> let's link this to me. Whole Daily Mail. Then, when I had the academy and reserve gig a few years ago, I interviewed Lee Radford about benefits of of the reserve. So obviously, this was the first year they did it. Brought it back in two thousand seventeen. Yes. Yeah. And there was only, I think it was Hull and the three big guns over the Pennines, you know, your Wires, your Wiggins, your St. Helens's, and the rest were championship yeah, clubs like Halifax. Uh, Wakefield as well, I think. Wakefield, Wakefield did it 2019. Yeah. They didn't do it 2017. Yes. That's right, yeah. And I, so I asked Lee Radford, so what, what are the benefits then, what we're getting out of this? And he had all this data and he showed me some of it and talked about it and said that when Hull played a Warrington or a St. Helens or a Wigan, the standard, the intensity, the speed, obviously they've got all the the uh, sports science to obviously back this up and to obviously verify it all was greater than the average League One match. So that yeah, tells you everything you need to know. You'll get the fringe players and the up-and-coming young players of a, of a St. Helens, of a Wigan, of a Hull, of a Wire. They, that's what you want. You want high-intensity games that are obviously greater than just sending them to Doncaster yeah. or sending them to a lower championship yes. club. Obviously, yeah. obviously, they're not as good as a, as a Fed v Lee because obviously they're... they're Two clubs with aspirations for Super League, aren't they? So you probably won't expect that. Otherwise, why should they be coming up when they can't even, you know, match the intensity of a of a of a reserve game? But when you've got it yeah. on par with your third tier professional, well, half professional competition in the UK, I think that's a a good barometer of it. And hopefully, everyone can buy into it and keep going, and they can make it, you know, a few more fixtures and make it more competitive and make it. You know, so it's absolutely mandatory that you have to field a strong reserve side every single year, and you have to bring through these young kids and obviously play the players that are not quite ready for first team now. And then watch their development, and see how they go. We've seen it with Bamford this year. Look at the academy; they're yeah. six from six, six hundred percent, six games, one or more. The reserves have obviously been humbled a couple of times, but they've also had some really good wins as well. And how many times do we look at match reports on OSC.com and you see Hull win, Bamford try? Happens all the time. Yeah. Again, he did it on his Super League debut, didn't he? 90 seconds on the field and he scores. So obviously, there's some cracking young players coming through all at the, all at the moment. But say the challenge is manage them, isn't it? That's, that's the whole point here. We've got to manage, Hull have got to manage them the right way and make sure they integrate them into the first team at their own pace and make sure they don't overkill them and expose them to the, soon. The, you're right. And, and the thing that impressed me about Bamforth and, and from what I've seen on, on the footage that I've seen and also in the game that he played was he's he's a very very good support player he's he is that player that we're looking out for when someone makes a break and there's no one on the shoulder Bamforth in that side means that there's going to be someone on your shoulder simple as he, he's an ultimate support player that he looks like that's how he styles his 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 game around being supportive of a big guy on a break which we're crying out for and it would mean a completely different style of of nine um, and it probably isn't, you know, something that we could transition to immediately after we've played for years and years and years one way. But, you know, get excited because when he does get a run in the first time, um, we're going to see something very different to what we're used to, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And 
that's obviously the way the game goes. It, it evolves, doesn't it? And obviously players that are coming through now will be very different to players that came through 15, 20 years ago as there will be those that came through 35, 40 years ago. That's what happens. Yeah. Obviously, the game evolves. It uh, uh, accustoms itself to obviously different styles of playing. I think we've seen that. That's what impresses me so much about James Roby. He's retiring yeah. at the end of the year, yet he's still world-class. He's a freak. An absolutely outstanding rugby league player. And, you know, we've, hopefully we'll we'll get that at all where we can bring the new players, you know, through, young players through at the club. And they can they can be integrated into that team and they can be developed at their own pace and, as I say, not thrown in the deep end or exposed uh, too early. And hopefully, you know, your senior players, your likes of Houghton, can bring them on. And I've got no problem with that if, if it pans out yeah. like that. What I just don't want is to see Hull FC continue to do what they've done and hand out contracts and see players go yes. one year to too many and then yeah. obviously the criticism comes their way because obviously people are blinkered and they'll call it as they see it and I wouldn't say the reputation's been tarnished because it's not Danny Alton for instance will always be a whole FC legend but you have that little bit of sour taste don't you your prime example is, is as we always see is, is Gareth Ellis he retired at exactly the right stage no one has got a bad word to say about him and he's a club legend mm. Yeah, whereas, you know, you could, you could even though he was fantastic for us at the time, you look back at Mike Minicello and you go, one year too many. Absolutely, yeah. You really do, and that's a real shame, because on his day was the most dynamic second-row forward we've had for 30 years, on his day. But the problem was that as, as the years went by, his days got fewer and fewer, and, and you remember how a player finishes sometimes. You don't remember the, the good stuff that he did. You know, sometimes when he was when he was free running and, and breaking the line from 20 metres out and stuff, you know, it was, it was absolutely majestic. But, you know, that last season, we didn't see a great deal of that, did we? No, we didn't. In 2019, no, we, we didn't, absolutely. And, and it was a shame because we should be remembering the Mark Minicello of the two cup winning years and how good he was in that first year, the club's 150th year, you know. It was, yes. It was outstanding. Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely magnificent those first three, four years. So, yeah, we don't want to get to a stage again where we see that we've... With Danny Houghton, and I think we have, unfortunately, over the past two years, there's been there's been limitations at nine, and there's no enjoyment in saying that. That's just how it is. But there's also been limitations at seven. You know, obviously, in the pack at times, we're holding so lightweight. There's been limitations everywhere. That's why the club have been where they have for the past three or four years. But again, they're going in the right direction now. They seem to be learning from these mistakes. They seem to be evolving from those mistakes now, and they also have a coach who. Who knows exactly what he wants and how to get there, and he's putting the pieces in the puzzle together now to make that a reality. And again, you've got to be happy with where Hull FC sit, and you've got to be happy with what what we're all seeing from Hull FC right now. And we've talked about obviously how good the attack is with Jake Connor at fullback, and obviously the the pack of forwards getting a roll on, and how simple but how effective that is. But what about the other areas of Hull FC? The fight in Hull FC right now, the resilience in them, yeah. but also the team spirit yeah. that we see within them right now. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. This is a real. Uh, there seems to be a real camaraderie, doesn't there? There's, there's um, the playing for each other, you know. And I think there is that feeling as well amongst a couple of the players that you know it might be their last year. You know, it might be, it might be Gale's last year. It might be Reynolds' last year. It might be, you know. And I think, you know, we, we need to play on that. I think I said that last week. We need, we need to, you know, if I was if I was Hodgson, I'd be, uh, I'd be coming out and saying to him right now, you're not getting another year. You know, or you know, you've got five games to show me that you deserve another year or whatever. You know, you use it as a you use it as a, um, a sports psychology kind of thing, don't you? And you try and get the best out of the players you've got because um, it's a real measure of of how a player is 
mentally if you say to him look guys you're not going to get another year and he starts to he starts to win and he starts to take his bat and ball home and not want to not want to play well then you drop him and you put someone else in but some players would absolutely take that as as the as the cue to absolutely throw everything on the line and just go right i'm just gonna i'm gonna prove you wrong or you know if it's going to be my last year i'm going to go out with a bang or, or whatever um you know we just seem to be there's a real camaraderie in the squad at the moment and i don't know whether it's whether it's player-led or whether it's Hodgson-led or whether it's a bit of both, you know, but whatever it is, it's working. Because we're, we're especially defensively, you know, defence is about turning up for your mate. Defence is about wanting to wanting to protect the guy on your inside and the guy on your outside and do your job. And, and defensively, I think we look as strong as we have in years. I'd agree with that. OFC defensively have been, you know, for the majority pretty good this year you know and again you look at what what our defensive traits well it's it's resilience it's it's grit it's fight and like you'll say it's the willingness to turn up for your mate who's standing next to you and put your body on the line for him and I think we have seen that in Hull this year I think again there were tough periods in that game against Wigan and people will say oh you look Wigan have got a challenge cup final you know this weekend yeah. so seven days after they play all and they might have an eye on that but that's not Wigan Wigan are about that you know Wigan yeah. never take their eye off the prize they're there week in week out you know they've put a team of kids up against Huddersfield and you know have put in a respectable performance and and could have could have beaten them you know on another day bounce to the ball you know obviously past it you know they could have they could have beaten them this is what we can do. They're, they're always there. They never go away. As I say, I've got so much respect yeah, they for them. And they didn't put a they didn't put a team of kids out against us. Yeah, no, you know, they, 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 we had about three each missing. Close to full strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say all all are missing, like you said, Savelio, Fash, Kater, uh, Johnston. Yeah, John. Well, yeah, selection base one. As was Cam Scott. But you look yeah. at Wigan. Yeah, no yeah. Tommy Lulai, no Kai Pierce yeah. Paul. Uh, Willie Ice didn't play as well, having been named in the squad. But yeah, you look. It's I see it swings and roundabouts. Both teams had about three or four missing, and look at the players that were on the pitch. Morgan Smithies was outstanding. Ethan Havard stood yeah. up. Ollie Partinson, Partinson. These are tough young forwards that the Wigan club have obviously brought through, and they're embedding into their systems. I think one thing you can say about all FC and how well they actually did play was the fact that Jai Field was so quiet. Yes, there was yeah. one break in broken field where. A Wigan kick from Harry Smith. I must be said, he really impresses me. He's a young halfback with a yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, mature, mature yeah. pair of shoulders. That bloke, he really has. He's you know a really good player. But yeah, he put a kick yeah, in it. Uh, it. It just hit a whole player. He didn't know anything about it. So obviously, it won't. It won't all on. It was you know still last tackle and Jack Field ended up uh, picking the ball up from from that uh, from the ball hitting the whole player and a bit of broken field. Thinking, oh no, he's going to open up here. But Hull scrambled really well, and that was the only time where he had a moment when you're thinking, yeah, he popped up. Uh, Hull dealt with him yeah. pretty well. Again, Adam Smith dealing with Bevan French. You know, that's a tough, yeah. tough ass that, especially after being left out the side against St. Owens the week before. And he's come in and he's just picked up from where he left off. Uh, again, it's a, it's a Brett Hodgson thing, that, isn't it? Brett Hodgson wants speed yeah. on the wing, he wants elusive, quick wingers, he wants wingers who can, who can obviously finish the opportunities when they're presented to him but he also wants wingers that'll be prepared to do the tough stuff in midfield and, and Dino McIntosh and Adam Swift he's got two that absolutely excel in all, all of those aspects yeah absolutely and you know what, what the, the difference with Hull this week for me was we started well we started quick which we've been guilty this year of, of kind of easing our way into games and I think at one stage isn't, isn't the 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 um, the stat that we've scored less points in the first 10 minutes of a game than any other team in the league 
there's a stat, you know, we, we, we've we've barely scored in the first 10, 15 minutes of a game. Whereas this this week, we, we started quickly and started well and we dominated from the start, which was great. Um, and, and, you know, that's we probably ambushed Wigan a little bit because I don't think they were probably expecting us to start so quickly, knowing that we like to ease into games. So that, that was happening as well. And the consistency that we're getting now, you know, I mean, you know, the one thing we could always say over the last three, four years is that Hull have been consistently inconsistent. But, you know, our home form, um, never mind anything else, our home form is very, very heartening because that's been a blind spot of ours for years. And uh, by putting that right, that, that goes a long way towards getting us to where we want to be. You know, you win, you win all your home games, you, you straight away you've got a 50% win ratio, haven't you? So, um, it's uh, that's been great. That's been very, very good to see since the St. Helens game, which we we got ambushed. Um, that's been a, a particular highlight for me this year. Of, is our home form? Yeah, six wins in a row now. You think? Oh, yeah. The oppositions have obviously been Salford, Huddersfield, you know, flat from the table, uh, Catalans, Toulouse, Warrington. You know, Catalans again is a big scalp, and on Wiggins, yeah. you know, you've got your second, third, and fourth place teams in there. So these are. You know, these are big guns of Super League, aren't they? These are big games, you know, tough games and, and games that Hull have obviously shown they're capable of winning. Which yeah, bodes well yeah. for what they can do this year. And as I say, they sat, sat fifth in Super League. They could go fourth. The next round of Super League after the Challenge Cup final, uh, Huddersfield have got a tough game in the south of France against Catalans. All go to Wakefield in a game that they should be looking at winning. So, you look at that, could be 14 in, which is the... You know, just over obviously the halfway stage of a twenty-seven round comp, and Hull could be fourth. Mm. Wow! Wow! Yeah, exactly. Wow! You, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't write it, would you? It's uh, well, you would. You worked all day long, but um, it's uh, you know, it's yeah, it's it's good to see. That. It's it's very uh, it, it's dizzy heights really compared to where we thought we'd be. I think, and uh, you know, long may it continue because I don't think we've seen the best of this whole side yet. That's I don't the, think we're anywhere near our best. That's the scary thing. There is plenty more to come. There really is. Plenty more. Yeah. Um, that's a good thing. That's That means we're looking at Hull FC players knowing that they can produce more. It's not a criticism. Like I say, we've, no. I mentioned Luke Gale. He was all right on Saturday. He was much better. And yeah. He probably touched on his best performance in black and white. But as I say, he's an international halfback. His standards are so high that he'll, he'll know, I want to get better and better and better because that's what he's done throughout his career and that's why he's had the career he's had. You know, he's been an yeah. outstanding player in Soul League for the past decade. No one can take that away from him. I think we've still yeah, got... Reynolds. Reynolds the same. Reynolds, Reynolds is the same, yeah. yeah. He did all right. Yeah. You know, he was enthusiastic. I still think, again, there's more to come. But that's because he's a yeah. former origin halfback who's had an NRL career. There should be more to come. And we should always be pushing that bar. You know, that sometimes people, it is a criticism because players are playing you know, as well as they could do. But sometimes... It's not a criticism. It's just pushing that bar even higher. That's what Wigan do. That's what St. Helens do. And that's why they're the clubs that they are. That's why they're silver. That's why their trophy rooms are, you know, expanding all the time. That's why they order silver polish every single season. You know, that's why they're the clubs they are. And that's why, obviously, Hull where they've been in in the past, where they just win something, you know, once every so often. Them clubs never take their eye on the prize. They always want to get better, and they're never content. I don't think we can say the same over Hull FC. You know, in the past, you know, a few years. Definitely since those Wembley no, wins. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. And and you know when when Saints have had a fairly lean season, or when you know when you know like when Cunningham was in charge, or when Wigan have had a a little bit of a drought or whatever, you know they finished second and third, and it's an absolute tragedy. Yeah. That's what we've got to get to. We've got to get to that that need and that want and that expectation that you know second and third isn't good enough. 
that's that's the difference. Whereas, you know, I mean, listen to me and you right now. Well, I didn't think we'd be fifth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and a lot of that, a lot of that is is tempered by the fact that we we've got a, a very good view of where we are right now, and we we were we're being we're being um, realistic. But God, how nice would it be for me and you to be, you know, to be talking in five years' time, um, going, you know, bloody hell, second again? That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's a different, it's a completely different conversation. Oh, we only won the Challenge Cup this year. We came second in the league. Bloody hell, you know. That's a different conversation. Exactly. That's that's the that's what Hull FC need to be getting to. Though they're a they're a massive club. You know the. Average attendances are up there with the best in Super League. Hull community yeah. engagement is absolutely outstanding. The player pool that they've got, you know, the players that are coming through right now are highly talked about. And it's not just Hull-born players, it's players that have obviously gone to, to gone to Warrington and, and took back to Hull. You know, players that are obviously West Yorkshire born. They've got a West centre in West Cumbria now. They, you know, they're expanding that pool a bit, aren't they? And they're making sure they're going to get the best of talent that's coming through. We're doing it properly. Yeah, they're doing, doing it properly, it properly. I mean, yeah. I think I think we'll we'll mention, but I'll bring it up now. Um, and we, we do it properly off the pitch with the fans as well. I mean, you know, a, a regular listener to this podcast and a um, and a long distance fan, a fellow long distance fan, um, was in the the um, in all the club socials at the weekend. Daria Baranski, who who is a massive Hull supporter from America, you know, and, and she flew over for a holiday and wanted to come and see Hull and everything and. And you know, because of the the strong relationship Hull's got with the fans groups like FC Voices um, and Lisa Jewett in particular, Lisa organised a, a you know a backstage tour for us. She met some players. She had a stadium tour. You know that kind of thing goes a long, long way. It really does. We we look after our people properly, and um, you know it, it inspires loyalty. You know, I've. I've Never forgotten the way that the club treated me when when I flew back for the game in two thousand and five. You know there was a shirt waiting for me and a, you know and a, and a thanks very much. I got a letter. I mean and although it turned out to be an absolute prick, I got a letter from um, from James Rule, a handwritten letter signed by all the players thanking me for my incredible um, uh, support. And I got a signed Wembley pro, uh, signed um, uh, program from the day two thousand and five. And you know it, that kind of thing goes a long, long way. And, and I think we're very, very good at it. We're very good at it, and, and long may that continue as well. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing. Um, yeah, it was nice to see obviously uh, Daria come over from from the east coast of the USA. Nice to meet her as well. Uh, she's got the stadium tour, met all these players, but you know she also got to meet uh, me, which obviously would have been the highlight of her weekend. Um, oh, mate, she, I, I bet she hasn't stopped talking about it. <laughs> it's a special thing. That's what I mean. Let's see. It's it's a roller coaster and it always has been, it always will be, you know, for fans and supporters that go every week and for fans that watch from afar, you know, whether it, like you say, it's talking both ends of the earth here. We're talking America and in your case we're talking Australia. Yet that passion's still there, it don't go anywhere. You name me a family that isn't a roller coaster. Because that's what we are, mate. We're family. We're not a club, we're a family. We always have been. We've always been that step ahead of everyone else as regards buy-in as regards the 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 way that uh, people you know are, are obsessed with and commit to the club we're a family mate we always have been and uh and, and families are roller coasters and sometimes you know you 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 hate your family and sometimes you love your family but you know you always come back to your family and, and i think that's that's worth remembering we're, no. we're a cut above mate as a club we're a yeah, cut above. I, I agree with that i think the past week 
uh, Hull and Proud Week in the community just yeah. showed what Hull FC are all about and yeah, it's not just that. They have the foundation which improves the lives of tens of thousands of people in you know, in the city of Hull and beyond and that happens every year and it has been, you know, for a for a lot of years now. So yeah, what the stance that Hull FC have as the premier sporting institution in this city I think is is pretty incredible, really. And I do say that with a little bit of tongue in cheek, but I think it's a fact. I think no one out of the three major clubs and all, I, I generally do believe that Hull FC's community engagement is second to none. It we really it is. Best. Yeah, I think we do it best. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's just the way it is because I think uh, you know a lot of people that support Hull FC obviously have grown up right in that community, whether it, whether it be. You know, West Hull, East Hull, North Hull, whatever. We're the pride of all Hull after all, and yeah, I, th- I definitely think Hull FC do that better than better than most, uh, certainly. And and it, and know, it, and it, it our shows. match day experience is better. You know, it, it's just all that. You know, we we don't force people to sing erasure songs and then the crowd sing homophobic chants twenty minutes later. You know, we we're, we're better than that. Is what I'm saying. No, we're I, a I get it. Oh, well, you just look at half time on Saturday. There was a young girl who uh, grubbed the ball into the half time built it challenge, and the crowd went absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So it's just yeah. you know things like that, and I love that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot to shout about with Hull at the moment. It's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. There's obviously still some limitations, and, and things can change quick. You know, this is Hull FC. Yes. One week we're going to Old Trafford, the next a relegation fodder. You know, there's, <laughs> it's Hull FC. Things can change. A couple of defeats under Lee Radford, and the bedsheets came out, didn't they? So, it, yeah, they did. Yeah. It, it's a roller coaster, and at times that can go a little bit wayward. Um, Hull have just got to stick on track, and and luckily they've got a head coach right now who has a plan, and he will not deviate from that plan, and that's very important because he knows what he wants, and he know what he, he knows what he has to do to get there, and I'm very confident in saying that he will get there, and. You look at where we are, let's see, are right now. They're in a very satisfactory position. Obviously, they can get even better. There's potential there to get better. You know, a little bit of wheeling and dealing. I don't think they need wholesale wholesale changes. I think me and you have both been vocal yeah, about that. It's tinkering, though. Exactly. It's, it's the right. It's the right yeah. tinkering, isn't it? It's the yeah. two or three of the right decisions in who gets let go and who gets brought in. That can go a long, 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 long way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, Truman coming in, which is looking increasingly likely, um, you know, you put him and Jake Connor in the same team and, you know, you've got two players that specialise in laying, laying tries onto other people. You know, it's, um, wow, that, that's going to be, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah. That to me is absolutely the right signing. Yeah, and it's another car mate for Jake Connor, isn't it? You know, West Yorkshire Power, yeah, so yeah. they can come over here together and if Luke Gale is only going to be here for a year, you know, Jake Connor's still going to have that little, you know, little car friend thing. He can do the thing on Sky when they're not playing and do a thumbs up friend, you know, all that in between his moment, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's not perfect. And yeah, obviously there's been, there's been moments where we've been critical and, and rightly so, because what we've seen haven't been good enough. There's been moments this year where we have had a result which hasn't been good enough, but then on the contrary, there's been ones where we're thinking, wow, how, how did all win that? So, I think that's going to continue. I don't think that's going to change. But as I've said for 15 months, I do like the direction Hull are going in. And if fans are patient with that direction, I do think they've got the right people taking them forward. And that's not just Brett Hodgson, that's Gareth Ellis, that's Michael Shenton, that's Pete Riding. And you know what? That's James Clark as well, because he's had a tough gig, a really tough gig. He's been thrown in the deep end doing about five or six different roles at once. 
And yeah, he's probably he'll probably be the first to admit. Okay, yeah, maybe I did get one or two contract renewals wrong, or you know, nobody's perfect. But he brought Joe Lovejoy to the club. He signed Jordan Lane up. He signed Brad Fash up. He's made sure that Hull yeah. were the right attraction for people like Dennis Bamford, for people like Nick Stavely. You know, obviously the young players coming through at the club right now. He's got to sell the club to them. He's got you know, if Jake Truman comes to the club next year, which by all accounts looks like it's going to happen. James Clark has sold the club to Jake Truman. So yeah. I don't think we can play play down the importance that he's doing right now. But yeah, look at the figureheads at LFC right now. and uh, They've definitely got a work ethic about them and I think they are the right people to take the club forward. Yeah, and, you know, we, we had one of those before. We had a salesman before and it was Richard Agar. And he was fantastic at selling the club to players. But unfortunately, it was the wrong players. And also, that's all he could do. He couldn't coach them when they got here. He could he could sell the club to them, but that was it. And it's nice that we've actually got someone in the organisation that is our ambassador for the club and can sell the, the vision of the head coach without actually having to deal with the players day-to-day as a head coach, you know? Um, it, it seems to me like we're quite well balanced at the moment. There's a lot of working parts in any club, but it feels like we're all, we're all working together for, to the same to get to the same place you know it feels like you know Hodgson's happy with what he's been given from a from a um, from an admin point of view you know from a James Clark from an above point of view and, and you know obviously the club are quite happy with with Houghton as a coach so long may that continue because it just seems like we're all facing the same direction and rowing you know there's, there's no one there's no one dissenting which is great yeah, Brett Hodgson as a coach, Danny Alton, maybe in a few years. <laughs> Did I say Danny Alton? I keep saying that, don't I? Yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. yeah, well, I, I can't say nothing. It took me three years to get Carlos's name right, so... Um, to my Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that. Back in the day. Good old radio days. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I you say, we've definitely got the... Let's see, we've got the right man in the job. So, Brett Hodgson right now, and, yeah, up the Brett Hodgson revolution. I think we're seeing it now. Yeah. And there will be hiccups, and there will be results that that will happen this year and probably next year as well because that's that's it that's it you can't have perfect seasons and sometimes games still get away from you for one reason or another but it's just about as i say sticking to the plan and don't don't deviate from that plan and, and see it through and then see what happens because there's a lot there's a lot to be content and a lot to be excited about with lfc right now we've got some absolutely outstanding rugby league players players that get you on the edge of your seat players that are tough, you know, players that are ferocious, that have got a bit of everything about them, a bit of guile, a bit of flair, but of spirit and fight and resilience. And I think all, when all those parts do come together, it's, yeah, it's definitely going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to to seeing how it unfolds. Moving on, uh, the rest of Sub League this weekend, there's a couple of shocks. You know, two belting games on Sky Sports, it must be said. I really, I thought the, uh, the St. Helens Warrington game was... Up there with the game of the seasons, for us. it was outstanding. Yes. I enjoyed watching Salford as well. I enjoyed uh, watching Max Need obviously get a win and contribute to that Salford win over Castleford. Uh, I didn't get to see the the Channel Four game, obviously. Uh, some people might call it Comedy Central, but yeah, I didn't get to see that. Obviously, we've all played on the same day, but you know, look at Catalans. Obviously, that Catalans are past masters at the moment of grinding games out, aren't they? And or just Toulouse pushing, or just yeah, all the way yeah, as well. You- yeah, yeah, which is which is why as well that that's so so heartening that a we put Toulouse to the sword and b we beat Cowan. You know, it's um, it shows you where we are a little bit as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Obviously, uh, Leeds getting over Wakefield was obviously another result, wasn't it? Um, 
Probably gives Leeds a bit of breathing room. I don't really think they're probably in a relegation battle, although it was it was amusing to to say as much a few weeks back, but they seem to be getting a few wins under the belt now, don't they? Uh, I think the only way is up for them, as long as they got James Agreed. Bentley out of the side. What an absolute Oh my god, he's he's liability. a lunatic, isn't he? Yeah. What is going on there? Yeah, it's most canon, isn't it? It just doesn't learn from his mistakes and it's really? nice that you've got that enthusiasm and play on that edge, but if you take it so far then unfortunately you become a liability for your team, don't you? Really do, yeah. And he's he's yeah, I mean he's he's got to the point now where, you know, referees are gonna be looking out for him. You know, it's that it, it's the same way it's been over over here for a while with you know, your likes of um Oh, you know, there's been a few players over here over the, over years that that have that, that as soon as as soon as they make a tackle, well, Kane Evans was one. You know, as soon as he made a tackle, you you know, the refs refs were probably looking at it with a finer tooth comb than they would with other players just because of his reputation. You know, yeah, and and that's uh, that's a terrible thing because it shouldn't be like that. But unfortunately, it's human nature it is. Um, the the big one at the moment, uh, Jared Warrior Hargraves. You know, every time every time he goes in for a tackle, he gets put on report or pinged or whatever to the extent where he called a referee out for it this week and ended up end up getting Sinbin for dissent. You know, because he said you, you're effing kidding me. Why is it always me? Kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, there's uh, you got to watch your tongue. But uh, yeah, he's, he's in danger of getting to that point. I think he's Bentley. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, hey, it's. Shame because obviously there's there's a there's a player there you know is at Saint There is there really is season, yeah. and yeah but unfortunately if you can't keep his temperament about him then then you do become a liability it's as simple as that but yeah um, yeah I think but yeah for a second Super League you know right now we're <laughs> we're pretty much at the halfway point of the competition it's no surprises to see Saint Helens at top it's no surprising yeah. to see Catalans and Wigan. Challenging. It's obviously no surprise to see Toulouse at the bottom. Although I do hope that changes. Cause I think it's good for the game having a second French team in the comp. Um, yeah, and, and they've they've signed quite well as well. I mean, they've they've just got Corey Norman on board, haven't they? So I mean, you never know. They, they might have a bit of a renaissance later in the season. He might he might spark something. You know, it's only uh, one win, we'll isn't see. it? As it stands right now, it's one win they need to get above Wakefield. Maybe a comfortable yeah. win with points difference, but that's all it is. So if they can yeah, if they can get that you know that scalp and. Hopefully they'll stay up because again I do maintain it. It's good for the comp. Um, nice to see obviously the Hull and Huddersfield chucking a few, and it's nice to see those that have been overhyped obviously sit where they are right now. And it's it's not like I'm getting you know a bit of Schneider and fraud there and malicious enjoyment at the others' expense. I'm I'm just looking at everything we talk about with LFC and how they're approaching it right now compared to Warrington who just want to flash the checkbook and say oh yeah yep. look how much yep. money we've yep. got and they never learn. Never. Yeah, there's just like Thomas McCaley as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, remember you mentioned him a few yeah. times. Yeah, but it's yeah. I won't steal his thunder, but again, I have a, com- had a conversation with Tim, and we're talking about uh, the Warrington youngsters. Obviously, the two that we've put uh, Hull have poached in yeah. Bamforth and Stavely, and how good would it be if Riley Dean was the third? And he had an outstanding game in front of the Sky cameras a few weeks ago. Then he gets dropped for the big money signings again, and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah, why? There's, there's never learn. It's like you sign players on 300, 350 grand contracts and then wonder why it pees everyone off and wonder why they come here and they don't perform because <laughs> they just, yeah, it always happens and never seem to learn. Whereas... It, 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 
it, they haven't learned over years and years and years. And the amount of players they've bought in, it's like Leeds were in the 90s. They, they bought players, player after player after player and player. And, but the, the one thing they could never buy is heart. You can't buy heart and will to win and, and team spirit. You know you can't buy that. That comes from having a group of guys together from an early age. You know, and and, and like that Leeds team was in the two thousands. That was the difference. Exactly. Was that you know they they invested in youth and all of those kids came through together and, and would live and die for each other. At the moment at, at Warrington, I don't think they'd pee on each other if they were on fire. You know, there's no ethic there. There's no team spirit. There's no there's no will to win. There's no want. You know, and I'm pretty sure the first thing that that um, Daryl Powell saw when he came through the door was that it was completely lacking in that respect, and that's what he's he's going to have to deal with, is a team of really really good individuals that aren't, aren't um, gelling as a team at all. That's his problem. Yeah, literally, literally. And you mentioned the lead team of the two thousands. I look at the other side of the world right now with Penrith Panthers and what they've done. Yeah, exactly. Everyone everyone laughed at them five years ago, you know, go school, five year plan, everyone you know, just took the mick out of him saying, Oh, it won't happen, you know, you're living yeah. in Dreamland, fantasy land. Well I don't know if if he would be laughing from his seat at Canterbury right now, but uh look at Penrith <laughs> Panthers and <laughs> yeah. Look at uh what obviously that plan has brought to the club right now. They've got a core of players that have grown up together, come through all their pathways and their systems together, and you know, look what they're doing yep. in the NRL right now. The current premiers, the four points clear. Yeah, take us through it, mate. Take us through the latest round again. You know, this it there seems to be. It's just like when when the lockdown uh, happened and the NRL was the yep. only rugby league competition that was playing, and the game seemed to get better and better and better. I think that's happening again right now. It is, yeah. I mean, it, it seems to have stepped up again this year. Um, I mean, last year was a really good, a classic season, but this year's just been brilliant. Um, I'll start the, the round Thursday night, um, Knights 12, Broncos 36. Now, I did. I committed the cardinal sin in this game in that I've got my tipping app, and I looked at the game and I said, Reynolds is out. Right, I'm changing my tip, and I tipped the Knights, and the Broncos absolutely took up to the cleaners. and I, I wrote on my notes, no Reynolds, no problem. Um, the second half performance for the Broncos was unbelievable. They just blew them off the pitch. They, they were amazing. Um, again, Herbie Farnworth, probably the best British player in the league at the moment. Um, was 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 amazing. Selwyn Cobber, um, who's an absolute lightning um, Aboriginal kid, um, they put him at fullback, um, and he was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So yeah, Broncos this year, real surprise package for me. Um, they seem to have got a settled six now um, and a seven. Obviously, when Reynolds is playing, but uh, yeah, they were they were pretty good without him. Admittedly, it was only against the Knights, who have been terrible, but you you can only beat who who uh, who you play. Uh, Reynolds will be back this week. Then on to the uh, early Friday game, Tigers 36, Bulldogs 22. Bulldogs are at poor side, and um, they push the Tigers, which probably shows you where the Tigers are. Uh, the one thing I did want to talk about is the difference between halfbacks, um, Jackson Hastings, compared to Kyle Flanagan. Uh, Kyle Flanagan probably touched the ball 10, 15 times in the game. I reckon Jackson Hastings was about 150. Easily five times a set, if not six and seven times a set he was in everything that the Tigers did um, the other like, good news story there is Famuna Brown who has been around a few um, NRL clubs and had a really bad foot injury he had a list frank injury but it was a really bad one and they didn't think he'd walk again never mind play again um, had a season at Featherston I think a couple of years back anyway he's been in the Tigers system for about three or four weeks um, 
and uh, we've got a, a real problem at hooker. They threw him in, he scored two tries, and he had the best game of his career. So um, we've probably found another new, uh, another new number nine at the Tigers, which is which is great. Um, Eels twenty two, uh, Manly twenty. Um, tight game. Eels deserved to win it. Manly were very very poor at the end, but the reason Manly were poor at the end was because Tommy Trebojevic went off with what now looks like a season ending injury, dislocated his shoulder. He's gone for the year. Now he's gone for the year. Manly have gone for the year. Uh, I can make that as a fairly bold statement, but I, I I'm saying that's fact. If he's gone, Manly are gone. Um, also means that uh, the Blues are looking for another fullback and probably will will go back to Tedesco at fullback. Um, or they might have even played Trebovich in the centre, so they're probably going to have a different centre as well. So um, yeah, out for the season and probably going to miss the World Cup as well, Trebovich. Um, Dragons 24, Warriors 18 Lomax um, what a good player he is but god he's 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 unlikable you know I just want to slap him he he just he's one of those players that he plays really really well but he knows it and he rubs the opposition's face in it and and he's a real cocky bugger Um, he was the difference between the two sides I thought the Warriors were fairly unlucky um, but Lomax was probably the difference in the two teams. Dragons were also very, very lucky because they had a captain's challenge in the first half that was unsuccessful and then went back to the ref in the second half and asked for another captain's challenge. The referee gave him it. He'd forgotten that he'd <laughs> wiped one off and it went it went uh, under the radar and it directly led to a Dragons try. So um, the Warriors were blowing up, but um, at the end of the day, the Dragons were a better team. Warriors were unlucky. Um, Cowboys 36, Storm 6. Um, yeah, Melbourne had some injuries. But the Cowboys were amazing. Um, Dearden and Townsend just absolutely ran the show for them. And, and Melbourne had no um, no answer to it. Um, Bellamy actually admitted after that this was a game that tactically he got wrong. Um, he put Harry Grant at halfback, who's normally a hooker. And, um, and Brandon Smith, even though he's played at hooker, was wearing the number 10 on his back and was almost playing as a prop as well. Um, very strange. And, and they deserve what they got, really. The Cowboys were uh, were very, very good, and the Storm were average. Now, the Roosters, 12 Panthers, 32. I was watching the Australian election when this game was on because I didn't want to miss what I thought was going to be history and actually turned out to be history, a Labour win. So I think you watched this, so you could probably take the lead here, Dan. <laughs> Penrith were outstanding. Shock. Isaiah Yeo's an yeah. absolute freak. Uh, yeah. Drove Luai was very good, too. You know, Sydney Roosters were nip and tuck with Penrith for... Uh, a good 20, 25 minutes actually. It was interesting that Vossi was calling it Andrew Voss and said, "Oh yeah, there's there's been a there's been a try in the opening ten minutes." I think he said the last five or six times these two you know these two opponents have met each other. So obviously it was going to be nil nil for a while. Given he said that, and yeah, Sydney stuck at him. There was a moment where uh, young Suwali on the wing absolutely leathered kick out, which even back row yeah. forwards and prop forwards can't even do that. So to see a teenager do it was pretty special. But you know, kick out took it yeah, the right way. He was laughing, yeah, he was laughing and joking about it. And but yeah, Penrith just just grew, just rode him, you know, ground ground him down, and you know, very good. Uh, so Jerome Lewis getting two tries. Yo was an absolute freak, and they've just done what yeah. they've done. You know, uh, Stephen Crichton got an intercept. Uh, Sydney Roosters never went away. They actually had all the ball in the second half. They just couldn't get through the Penrith defence, and it just shows doesn't yeah. it. Defence wins matches. Defence wins grand yeah. finals. Um, just put that on extra volume for when my dad listens to this later. With obviously Parramatta <laughs> not winning one since the eighties, <laughs> but yeah, it's just a typical Penrith performance and what we've come to expect from the Panthers right now. You know, top of the table, 
best organisation in the world. Um, there you go. I suppose that's a team I can extra fanboy now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, next game. <laughs> let's move on quickly. Uh, let's push that one under the carpet. South 12, Raiders 32. Canberra are very, very good, and they're starting to improve. Um, I think, you know, such is the nature of how tight the NRL is at the moment. Um, three, four weeks ago, Raiders were joint bottom, you know, but now they're at the they're knocking on the door of the eight, you know, so. Um, Papa Lee's 250th game, I think, um, and he was outstanding. He was an absolute man mountain. And when he went off, the Raiders lost their way a little bit. And then when he came back on, when they'd spelled him, he just he just steered them home. Um, Jack Whiten was has been out suspended for a couple of weeks. Um, he was back and looked like every inch the best five eighth in the world. Honestly, he was he was in everything, and he was fantastic. I thought he was thought he was great. Sounds were poor, but White was was amazing, and Papali was amazing. And then final game, Titans eighteen, Crow twenty five. Um, it's one of those games where when someone kicks a field goal just before half time, it kind of. Um, it kind of steadies the ship a little bit, and that's exactly what happened with Cronulla. They went in, you know, scoring a bit up at halftime, and they were just too good for the Titans. The Titans tried to come back; they scored two late tries, and it looked like it was going to make a bit of a, a bit of a game of it. But yeah, it just it, Cronulla knocked it out of the park by the end, and uh, and are, are, are probably in the right position for Cronulla. You know, they're in that top four, and. Uh, the difference that uh, Fitzgibbon has, has made to them as a team with the defensive ethic and, and the way that he's he's uh, coaching them is is a delight actually compared to the last couple of years where Cronulla have been all about fantastic um, potential that's never really been um, realised. Now they're they're really starting to live up to the hype. It's good to see. No, absolutely. Obviously, it makes the NRL even more competitive, if that's possible, rather than just Penrith winning everything all the time. Um, yeah, I can say that with some smug satisfaction. <laughs> They're absolutely sensational at the minute, though. They were humbled by the Eels, it must be said, and that's the week we had John on and forgot to do forgot to do the NRL, and some will say, oh, yeah, what a, co- what a coincidence and convenience that was. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're an absolute machine. And it was interesting, uh, after the press conference when... The Eels did turn the Panthers over. Uh, Nathan Cleary did say a loss could actually humble them a little bit and yeah. and bring out like a second wind, if you like. And it's certainly done that the past two weeks, you know, beating two top guns in, obviously, the Storm and then Sydney Roosters. And, you know, another one this week. The game this week, yeah, man. Yeah. Cowboys, be a great game. Yeah, the fact that they absolutely stuffed the Storm, didn't they? Um, you yeah. know, we saw that coming, that was outstanding. Uh, yeah, it'd be a real measure of where the Cowboys are at and obviously it'd be a... You know, a good test for Penrith as well. Obviously, against the side who have won a lot of games, who sit third in the comp, and yeah, it's interesting. Like you mentioned, the the uh, Raiders then obviously winning a few games and and now in the mix in the eight. It just shows how quick it can turn. Obviously, that's the case of all. You know, touch wood. I hope it doesn't happen. But you know, if all obviously lose, you know, three or four in the row, then you can soon slip down, can't you? And then what looks like a, a really good season turns into an average or a mediocre one. And, and, and on the contrary, what looks like a mediocre one can soon turn into a good one. So it, there's fan margins in this spot, isn't there? And a wonderful game of rugby league. Yeah. And I think we, we see that on both sides of the globe week in, week out. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think, uh, you know, this, and, you know, on such things, you know, coaches get sacked, you know. 
a referee's decision or a drop ball or a you know you, you decide to pick a player up or you decide to release a player a couple of years early and he goes to our opposition team and, and cruels you you know on, on these little decisions you know the world turns and, and coaching careers and playing careers end and, and rise and fall you know it's uh it's we've got the best sport in the world mate you know and uh and the NRL is is absolutely the pinnacle of that, in my opinion, and, and we're seeing it this year. We've, we've seen some absolutely spectacular games and some really good young talent coming through. You, you know, like some Selvin Cobham, Xavier Savage at the at the Raiders, and you know um, any number of players um, at Panthers and the Storm, and, and you know some good young kids coming through at other clubs as well. Um, and then you have got your old stages that are defying age. You know your Papalis and your and players like that who just seem to go on forever. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's great at the moment. I'm, I'm really loving my rugby league. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say on both sides, I was also playing in the NRL. Yeah. It's great and long may it continue. Uh, we'll leave that there then for the for the podcast. And, and again, mate, thanks for your time in, in obviously all the episodes that we've done this. Uh, you know, and It's been a, been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Um, hopefully, it won't be the end for you. Hopefully, you can you know, bring something else out in the future. But yeah, for, for up the cream, that's... Uh, yeah, thank you and goodbye. That's a wrap. Thanks, mate. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. <laughs>